What was the first product you ever purchased? What made you purchase it? Did you ever want to launch your own product? If yes, but you didn't know from where to start. In this episode, we will cover how to launch your product successfully into the market. What is happening in product world? If, if, you, if you're creating something, really take the time to think through every step of that process from when you first open the box to, or to how you set it up, to all the challenges you'd have the first time you use it, to the challenges you'd have after using it a hundred times or for years. This is Oren Schauble, the guest of today's episode. Yeah, there's a couple stages of developing a product. You know, you develop your prototype, you develop your kind of short run production where you try to say, hey, we're going to make like 10 of these. Um, and basically, these are those are like verification units. Oren is a serial entrepreneur and a product builder. He most recently served as a president to the public cannabis company. He's currently a partner at high-tech product development and contract engineering firm, Gwyn Partners. And he also runs a popular product people newsletter about sourcing and bringing physical products to the market. So as I initially said in the first part of the intro, that if you want to launch a product, this is the episode for you. So here is the proof. Oren's background is the proof. It's telling you the information that you're going to get in this episode is going to be valuable that you might not be able to find anywhere else. Yeah, if you're going to get, if you're going to Google for 10 hours and try to collect all the information together, best of luck, you can do that. But if you want to get everything in a single shot in 30 minutes, this is the episode for you. If you want to get in touch with me, go to issuesing.com and get in touch with me there. If you did not get a chance to go to startingtoknow.com, go to startingtoknow.com, evolution of this podcast, and learn more about business-related topics, in-depth information, not the superficial one, right? Because we are always starting to know, and why would you want to know superficial information about anything if you are just starting to know about that thing? Today is a very sad day for me. The past two days has been sad for me because a famous singer from Punjab, India has recently passed away and the death was unnatural. Gangsters did a shooting and he died. Shooting on him and he died. Multiple rounds of fires. I did not know him personally, but he always had a special place in my heart. My friends, my family knew that I only listen to him and I love him. My wife knows that I wanted to meet with him at least once in my life. But I never knew that he's going to leave us so soon at 20 year, 28 years of age. He was so young. He was a superstar. You can find him. like His name is Sidhu Musewala. In English, the pronunciation might be Sidhu Muswala, But in my accent, it's Sidhu Musewala. I'm going to miss you, brother. Until we meet next time. Coming back to the show. I know like I have to move on. We have, we all have to move forward. But I cannot even imagine the pain that his parents might be going through right now. How you can steal someone's life. You don't have any rights. If you don't agree with someone's ideologies or maybe the words that they're saying or the actions that they're doing, don't listen to them. Don't follow them and ignore them, right? Unless and until they are they are, they are personally attacking you, doing something. If you don't agree with their ideologies, you don't have the right to kill anyone. 
I'm super pissed, emotional uh, since the past two days. He was no one to me, but a lot to me as well at the same time. When I was feeling depressed, low, anything, any bad moment, negative moments, I was listening to his songs. Always uplifting. I loved him and I'm going to miss you, brother. As I said, I'm going to miss you. Let's welcome Oren to the show. Hi, Oren. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for giving me your time for for this show, this episode. And first thing first, uh, please share with us about the Gwyn Partners. What are Gwyn Partners all about? Hi, no, no problem. So Gwyn Partners was an agency that uh, yeah, I've, I've been a partner in for uh, several years that um, you know started with you know, two kind of former colleagues of mine that specializes in product development for kind of complex engineering products. So um, anything with an autopilot or lithium ion or lithium polymer batteries or anything that uses radio technology or autonomy, you know, we're basically a product development house specifically for that. Uh, and we do all kinds of projects you know, related to, to, to products, but that's kind of been the core. And uh, we're based out in Austin. There's about 25 you know, full-time engineers. And you know, we're, we're stoked to be building something interesting. Mm-hmm. So your focus is mostly on the physical products? Yes. And so we do have a small software team, but the focus is on uh, physical products. And, then, and that's my background as well as mm-hmm. you kind of supply chain and building physical products, uh, marketing physical products you know, um, across a variety of categories. Mm-hmm. And Oren, I think uh, while doing the research um, on Gwyn Partners website, I found out like it, it's mostly dealing with the complicated engineering product projects. So how complicated are we talking about? <laughs> uh, well, look, at, uh, autopilots is a specialty of ours. And so if you look at, um, you know, projects where like drones or, uh, or air- aircraft that use autopilots, um, it's, it's a lot of things like that. And so I think we have a kind of unique group of people who are really passionate about kind of complex technology and, uh, and who have, you know, people who have contributed to open source code libraries, uh, people that have built, you know, things in, in aerospace and defense or have built kind of consumer electronics. And uh, yeah, we're, we kind of are, are interested to take on any challenge. We've worked on really cool projects. We've worked on a, uh, there's kind of a, a single person um, autonomous uh, aircraft that, that we've worked on. We've worked on the uh, hydrofoil electric surfboards, the, the lift foils. Um, we've done kind of electric dirt bikes uh, with this company Vulcan. So there's a lot of really interesting projects that have uh, we, we've done over time. Cool. cool. And do you only help the established companies or startups as well? Uh, yeah, kind of across the board. I think there's three types of companies when you're going into product development. There's kind of three, three basically stages that people tend to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is they have an idea and they're trying to make a prototype. And so we do work with uh, some people who are just you know, at the complete early stage. Uh, more common is people have a prototype or an initial product, but they need to make it work at scale or they need to kind of get the cost down or get it ready for mass production. And I'd say that's the majority of the kind of projects we work on is they'll have a start of an idea or a prototype, but need to take it to full productization. And then the last group is people with established products. They're just looking to make the next generation better. Going in that direction, I suppose someone wants to develop a, a electric motorboat, and that is the first product with which they want to start. So, shouldn't they be able to develop the minimum viable product themselves? And I know that execution is a key, but for execution as well, you need to know something. Shouldn't initial product version come from the founder? Uh, yeah, I think that it's always great to have a someone with a vision who's kind of passionate about it, especially if they either have 
a background in that space or an audience in that space that helps the business get started for sure. And I think really what teams like, like we are is just accelerators to, um, to that vision by saying, Hey, we've actually done a lot of the complicated parts before, whether it's figuring battery technology or telemetry or adding an autopilot or working through, you know, custom uh, PCB, like there's, we've dealt with these things a number of times we have suppliers and partners kind of handled and, and can basically make that process faster for entrepreneurs. Do you know like which sector or industries coming with the, coming up with the most exciting innovations? You know, I think a lot of it is in that mobility space. You know, I think we have, if you kind of look over the last 20 or 30 years, there has been kind of a radical change in that, you know, we've moved from just plain vehicles to vehicles that can kind of move on their own and have sensors, whether you look at autonomous cars or whether you look at that's just the enhancements to vehicles that we have today with so many kind of computers and things inside of them, all the way to, you know, we drones being existing and being able to be bought in Best Buy or being used for cell tower inspection or to deliver packages. There is this kind of change happening in, in mobility, uh, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, just lithium uh, polymer and lithium ion batteries. We've seen so many things like one wheels and electric surfboards or electric bikes. And I think that uh, there's just kind of new generation of mobility that, you know, I feel is really exciting. I'm not that much familiar with lithium ion battery use. Is is this the same battery that is being used in the automotive vehicles as well or no? Yeah, yes, it is. So basically there's, um, there's cells and the kind of the, uh, the, the, the leading kind of state-of-the-art battery cells, the Panasonic 18650. And so these mm-hmm. cells get put into different things. And you can put a ton of those cells together and you get a Tesla battery. And you can mm-hmm. put a slightly smaller amount of those together and have a um, and have the battery that's in like uh, an electric surfboard or something of that nature. And, and even smaller set into drones. And there's, dif- and there's differences in that kind of technology. But really all of these things that, uh, a lot of this technology was brought out by this, you know, the cell phone becoming as, as big as it is and having to mass produce long-lasting batteries and really small sensors and really small radios, that innovation, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago uh, has kind of just enabled this whole new set of, you know, products and, you know, ideas because of how mass produced that technology became. And what techniques uh, should someone use to gain insight into the market related to the product? If someone wants to launch a product they, or they got the idea and, Maybe they got the initial traction. They want to like validate the market or validate their idea. How should they approach? You know, I, I think that uh, I would have answered this question kind of very differently a few years ago. But mm-hmm. I think what I see the most now is that there's a lot of community happening online. Like mm-hmm. right now there are, whether it's, uh, you know, TikTok niches or Facebook groups or Reddit groups or Twitter kind of niches, or there's all these places where, enthusiasts about different topics are congregating online, whether, you know, Discord and Slack servers, all these different areas. And so if you have a, uh, an existing community out there that might be interested in that product or who really likes, you know, say if it's a camera drone or say it's a, a new health and wellness beverage, there's communities out there that you can actually engage with and, and try to get them excited about it and kind of talk to about the product and kind of validate directly with users And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, you're still relying on surveys and talking to distributors. And now I think it's easier than ever for entrepreneurs to actually access the really passionate people in their target demographic and validate it with communities. And that's just an interesting place to be at in, uh, in 2022. What do you think if it would be you, how are you going to launch it? You're going to build a relationship in that community first 
or you're going to launch the product first and then start building the relationship? What do you yeah, think? So how are you going to approach? I, I would start building an audience first. I think that's, you know, uh, and, so, and some people, you know, if it's not natural to build an audience, you can always kind of build the product. But I think it's, you know, it, it's so, it, it's a straight, straightforward playbook nowadays for an entrepreneur who has the time and who is passionate about it to say, hey, I'm going to build an audience on social media. That could be LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it is, and say, you know, or even an email newsletter, I think is another one I've seen people do successfully and say, look, I want to build an audience around uh, this topic. I know I'm not going to launch a product for, it might take a year, it might take multiple years, but I want to kind of get, you know, people that are following and interested in that topic to, to, to follow me. And that means you can have a curated newsletter just about news in the space or opinion in the space. You could be making informative videos or just building a following around it. Because then if you have that audience that exists to start, it just makes that initial uh, hurdle of finding your first sale or finding a few beta customers to test with you or get excited or just finding people to spread the word when you launch so much easier. And so I, I like to start with audience and recommend entrepreneurs start with audience because then you can, you know, no matter how long it takes you to finish your project, you know, you're already kind of building momentum online. True. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Building the audience first is always helpful. And you, you kind of build the path already. Like once you launch the product, you already have the people who might be interested in your product. Yeah, absolutely. And what is the most important characteristic of a great product according to you? Like which one would you choose? I think user experience is always the biggest one. Like, does it take some sort of problem or experience the user has and solve it? And is it something that is just kind of easy and great all around? And you can have a, a really interesting idea or you can have an interesting concept, but if it's not really easy to use, if the user doesn't feel great while using it, uh, it's going to have a hard time kind of catching on. And so that's something I like to think through is that, you know, if, if, you, if you're creating something, really take the time to think through every step of that process from when you first open the box to, or to how you set it up, to all the challenges you'd have the first time you use it, to the challenges you'd have after using it a hundred times or for years. And if, you, and if you passionately think through every one of those pieces of the process and you feel like it's great throughout it, then I think the product has a great chance of being successful. What are your thoughts about IKEA products or Apple? I'm going to give you an example. I'm considering IKEA as a complicated product, but kind of the user experience is different you yeah. feel connected to that product because you built it uh, from the scratch. Mm -hmm. Even though like you consider it as assembled, it's fine, but you did something for that. What do you think? What are your thoughts? And you touched the user experience. I don't know like whether you are an Apple product user or not, but as per I've seen, my wife is all crazy about Apple products. So I've seen multiple friends. I'm, I'm a Google user, Android user. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you tell me like which one, is the better user experience for you or both have their own different uh, sets? Yeah, and so I think that um, the key thing about the IKEA user experience for most people is, is just the affordability. People mm -hmm. are willing to give up having, you know, you may feel a lot better having made something. I know I've from, from personal uh, history, I've been frustrated at a few things mm -hmm. I've made from IKEA that, you know, it just didn't quite turn out right. And it's probably my own fault. But, uh, but at the end of the day, you always kind of look back and go, well, it's so affordable. It didn't really matter. Everything's so convenient and kind of well put together. It doesn't matter. And so you can sacrifice some parts of the user experience to make up for other more important things. IKEA is a perfect example where the real user experience is kind of price and accessibility. Mm -hmm. And that is, is key over everything. This is basically bringing the concept of good design and you know, at, at two people at a really accessible and affordable rate. 
the Apple one is an interesting one. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of Apple products, Apple experience. Hmm. And a lot of it comes down to, again, that user experience of just little intangible things that that go on day to day, like all the little things that Apple has thought through, you know, all the, the shared history between your devices and your accounts and the ability to, you know, share files with, with AirDrop or, you know, the, the automatic, you know, if you get texted a code, it automatically appears when you go to enter it. They've thought through so many of these little things that just make your day-to-day life uh, very convenient that for a certain person where that convenience and that just general ease is important to them, that uh, it's it, that's going to be a perfect product. And I think for so many people nowadays, because life is so easy for us, where you can get something delivered via Amazon in, in two days. You can have a Uber come pick you up no matter where you are. We've just gotten so used to having things be easy that the appeal of something like Apple that just is always like that and doesn't have any extra steps is, uh, is you know, become very prevalent. Mm-hmm. And realistically speaking, how much time does it take to launch a product into the market? Like yeah, it's, <laughs> people can actually use it. I think that no matter what, I would try to give yourself a year. Uh, and I do that because you know, there's a couple stages of developing a product. You know, you develop your prototype, you develop your kind of short run production where you try to say, hey, we're going to make like 10 of these. Um, and basically, these are those are like verification units. Mm-hmm. And then you want to actually have time for customers to beta test it and give you feedback and use it. And not just for a couple of days, use it for long enough. They can put it through its paces. Uh, and you're going to make some mistakes in there. And with supply chain, you're ordering things overseas and things like that. You're probably 10 or 12 weeks to get things shipped. You know, factory set up. I think that it's realistic for someone if you have a good idea today to say, I'm going to work really hard to launch that a year from now. And even if you have something faster, I would always recommend taking that time, like getting the user feedback, setting things up to be good um, for, for complicated products, you know, mm-hmm. for, for things that require kind of engineering. I think you could likely do it faster and it may be better for simpler products because you can kind of you know, have an MVP, be getting feedback as you're already selling. I think it's different for, yeah, again, things that are less complicated, but I think a year is a good amount to be really prepared. Okay. About a year. So what do you think, like, what is the most difficult part of successful execution of the project? Like the most uh, designing, I don't know, the technology, finding out the right fit. Which yeah, one? I think, uh, so a, a couple things, you know, um, one is, is just the people that are working on the product, whether it's you or engineers or a team mm. or, or a third party team, is just making sure that you've put yourself in your user's shoes. A lot of people only, they just have a hard time separating their experience from the experience of their potential user. And that's where the most times I've seen products get caught up is when people just don't understand how others are actually engaging with or using their product. The other thing I think has been the biggest uh, source of mistake is really just is handling manufacturing. So if you're manufacturing yourself, making sure that you actually have the wherewithal to do that. And if you're using a third party to manufacture, just making sure it's been verified and checked uh, kind of at scale and that the things you're being shipped are the things that you want and not having made some mistake before you go and make tons and tons and tons of units. And that just really comes down to having people inside your organization or in the process that are extremely detail oriented and you know, kind of product manager people that really think through all the little is this manual printed right? Is this button going to work after I've clicked it a hundred times or a thousand times? And, oh, let's make sure someone's at the factory checking that it's put in the box the right way up every time. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that that people get get caught up on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So actually, like you need to know ins and out of what you're trying to develop or what you're asking someone to develop it for you 
rather than like asking for the changes at the, la at the last minute. Why, why I'm relating with it? Because I think whatever things you have mentioned, it's more so often related with the software MVPs and totally. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm related to the software industry. So that's why I can relate with these concepts. And I think these are exactly similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and what techniques should we use if we want to grip a customer's attention? Um, take an example. I, I came up with some product idea and I want to launch it in the market, but before launching, what things should I consider if I don't want to lose that customer? Yeah. And so I think it's really uh, an exercise I like to do all the time is to uh, write down all of the, you know, issues or problems, we call them pain points that a customer has that your product solves. And then also write down a list of all the objections that they might have to say, I wouldn't want this because X or, well, I don't know about it because, you know, this or that. And so if you write down a list of all those problems that you're solving for a customer, again, this applies for software just as much as hardware. Mm -hmm. And you go through a list of any objections that they might have. That, I like to have that as the starting point for any website copy, any promotional materials, is just make sure that you've crossed off every single one of those pain points or those objections that they have and thought through them all. Because it's, it's half a marketing exercise to keep the customer, and it's half also a product development exercise of, oh, can we incorporate a feature into this product to help to handle this objection? or to handle an additional pain point or make their life easier or give it another kind of marketing bullet. Mm -hmm. uh, I think kind of really working through that and having that list as a guiding light in your development and in your marketing is what helps people you know, land customers and retain customers. And the biggest thing after that is just that, that customer experience. Uh, I find that even if you have an undifferentiated product, you're making something really similar. If you have amazing customer service or amazing customer support or really good communication, you can really retain customers, even with a, a normal product. Um, so there's a lot of kind of different ways to approach it. Beautiful. Yeah. In order to retain the customer, give, give them the exceptional customer support. And even if they're thinking of uh, churning out, if you're thinking, um, you know, we don't want to use this product, we want to get a refund, maybe customer support can help us out or help the business out and the customer won't churn. Yeah, for sure. And what are the technologies that are currently being used um, in the projects all across the industry? Um, rapid prototyping or like what's happening? Yep, so rapid prototyping is, uh, is actually really interesting. So, so two, I think, things that have come about there or make a big difference for people that are developing products is, is one is the ability to get parts made quickly. Um, like prototypes, like you mentioned, like with 3D printing, et cetera. And there's websites like Zometry with, with X and, and different services that will basically make you one-off parts and things that would have been really hard or expensive to get molds or get made differently before the last couple of years. Mm. Um, the other is some of these big open source communities. Like so many um, companies now have either open sourced some of their projects to help support development communities, or there's passionate communities online that are just, they're building things in complete open source code as it is that there are so many existing interesting code bases um, that are out there that, you know, your engineering teams can leverage that actually makes it really fast to get to market uh, comparatively to what it was a few years ago, if you had to write everything custom. And, and I mean, there's, there's, you know, repositories for, for almost anything that, that you could think of. And that's really helpful. Uh, the other big thing is the, the cataloging of industry. So Alibaba, for instance, you know, they, they made, you know, millions of factories in, uh, in the Eastern world accessible to, 
you know, companies in Canada, the UK and Europe that never would have been able to find those factories prior, which gives a lot more options to people who want to develop or build their own parts kind of affordably. And then same thing domestically, you know, here in the US, there's companies like, uh, there's a company called Sustainment. There's a few others where, who are building these kind of directories of complicated technology manufacturers mm -hmm. to make it really easy to find. Uh, because if you're trying to find people that do really specific processes or parts, some of them don't have websites, some of them aren't on Google, it's hard to find where they are in proximity to what you're developing. And I think the last few years have really made it much easier to build a robust supply chain, whether mm -hmm. overseas or domestically uh, in, in a new way. And I think that that's kind of we still haven't hit that peak yet, and it's going to make it easier and easier for entrepreneurs to kind of execute ideas. That combination of you know, rapid prototyping and being able to find kind of people that are perfect vendors for what you're trying to create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. The example of Alibaba and, and the example that you gave uh, of the U.S., I think. Um, Alibaba changed uh, many things, as you made a point, like they made the people accessible or the factories accessible to other parts of the world and the things became a lot easier if, if this another company that you mentioned that is in us is doing something similar i think this is going to change many things because right now if i see the supply chain i'm, I'm facing the problem as well like in, in many cases not related with the hardware products uh supply chain is a big issue and if there are factories or there are people that can do the things not exactly similar even if closer than that in U.S. is going to make things easier for all of us living in the, this side of the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And any, any final thoughts that you would like to share with the founder or the entrepreneur who is listening to this ep episode right now? Um, you know, I'd, I'd say that I think there's a really important opportunity happening right now where all these very large companies that um, we all grew up with around the world, whether that's in, food and beverage or apparel or technology um, or just our day-to-day devices and services. There's this huge opportunity where all of those companies have existed for so long, but are kind of being disrupted by internet savvy companies and companies that can move quickly or that are focusing on really specific niches. And I just think that there's uh, so much opportunity for entrepreneurs to kind of start and create, you know, businesses that are, you know, smaller compared to those, but are really big for those entrepreneurs, like, you know, one to $5 million a year businesses in so many categories and offer a better user experience than these larger conglomerates for a specific niche. And it's just, there's no better time. I feel we've ever had to kind of launch a company to create a product and to kind of take advantage of this opportunity that has been afforded to us by, all the things we've discussed today and, and social media. And so if you are, you know, thinking about that or had that in the back of your mind, I think this is the best time ever to go do something like that. And I think a lot more entrepreneurs should be looking at that opportunity to create physical products or software products. I agree. This is the right time. Where can we learn more about you and your business if someone wants to get in touch? Sure. So my website where I talk a lot about product development is uh, productworld.xyz. Uh, the website for our um our agency is gwynpartners.com. And then I spend a lot of time on Twitter at Oren, O-R-E-N, Meets World. And, uh, you know, tweet a lot about the things we talked about today, like best ideas for, you know, in product ideation or what differentiates products or links and finding factories. I cover a lot of uh, that kind of stuff there. So, you know, looking forward. If anyone wants to you know, shoot me a DM or talk about anything we talked about here today, uh, I'm always around. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, people who are listening to this episode right now, if you want to get in touch, Oren has already provided you the information. You can find him on orenjohn.com as well. Go to Twitter, get in touch with him and uh, yeah, learn more about product-related innovations and how you can do it. And if you want to get in touch, please do that. And thank you so much, Oren, for coming to the pod. This really means a lot. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me, Ishu. And uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for listening.